Welcome, welcome, welcome into a Tuesday edition of Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. Hope you're surviving a rainy morning here in the fort. Hopefully we can help get you through it this morning, uh, whether you're leaving work or on your way to work or just sitting at home enjoying some time off, which I think we all are looking forward to that later this week. lot to get to on today's show. You have... IU and Purdue in action. Purdue uh, gets a big win over Gonzaga to open up the Maui Invitational. We'll get to that in a bit after headlines. Plus, IU does something, well, I don't know the last time I've seen them do to get a win against Louisville. Uh, Plus, uh, an update on an area high school athlete who was injured. We'll tell you how you can help out with that. Uh, Plus, an hour number two, more on Purdue. Off to a strong start. But uh, we've talked about this. Doesn't matter. How do we balance being impressed by what the Boilers do in season and knowing the ultimate goal. Plus, uh, Mike Woodson made an adjustment. Well, his players essentially asked him to. Uh, Was this a big step forward or is this just a blip for Indiana? And the NFL looking for another ban um, on a, a specific tackling maneuver. Once again, is the NFL flirting with trouble when it comes to player safety versus the entertainment factor of the game. And uh, we'll we'll get to uh, this story as well before we wrap up. Uh, A crew aboard a U.S.-bound plane uh, thought something was off after taking off. Uh, We'll tell you what was off. Pretty scary Hmm. stuff. Everyone survived. That's the good news. Another horse didn't get loose, did it? No. No No horse on on this plane. No horse on a plane. No. We also have Comets tickets to give away, so we have a four-pack of tickets for the Thanksgiving night Bob Chase Memorial game coming up on Thursday night at the Coliseum. Um, Let's see. Is Thanksgiving a keyword we can use? Who knows? Uh, Let me check, because before I tell you to say, text Thanksgiving... Uh, to 46862. You need to delete some of these keywords. Right? Some of these are like super old in the system. Like maybe we should have it like auto delete after. Can you do that? You're the boss. You can do whatever you want. I mean, I'm not the boss of of the the text line. Hey. But. Self-proclaimed boss. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Thanksgiving looks like we're in the clear. Uh, So just text Thanksgiving to 46862. Again, Thanksgiving to 46862. And you will be in the running for a four pack of tickets for Thursday night's Bob Chase Memorial Game as the Comets host the Iowa Heartlanders at the Coliseum. 7.30 Um, puck drop. Yeah, so a slightly different. Doors open at 6.15, so a little bit earlier you can get into the game. And again, Thanksgiving to 46862. Already have a text rolling in, so we're good to go uh, with that. Someone else already texted thankful uh, to us, which uh, (laughs) if you missed yesterday's show, uh, you can download the podcast and you will understand what's going on. So uh, again, you can download... Yesterday's show for free, any podcasting platform, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, all for free. And you'll understand the joke there, which uh, we will also be thankful. Uh, come after what? Next Monday? And then we can move forward. Uh, but be sure to check the podcast. Uh, yeah. Someone said, I'm still entering in the K105 contest. That's if you text thankful without the CK. You're still in You'll there. You'll be entered. Um, Not entered to get comments tickets. No. You're entered Thanksgiving for, is for comments tickets. For something else. Now, you, I, I mentioned, I asked you this yesterday, because I'll start from the jump talking Indiana, Purdue, and CK, thankful for, for us to be done. But how many games are you going to consider watching before you even think about turning on Indiana, Purdue? Uh, I can make a list of at least 20 games 
that I would rather turn on or would turn on before I care about Indiana Purdue. Now, are we talking just games on Saturday or across the weekend in college football? Across the weekend. Take your pick from Thursday through Saturday. I mean, I'm watching the Egg Bowl over... Well, yeah, I would like, too. I, I look. I, I said this to you via text. That's Thursday night, it, right? Ole Miss, uh, Mississippi State. I think so. Yes, it is. And, and the Egg Bowl has, I think, one of the most iconic touchdown celebrations I've ever seen in college football with Elijah Moore uh, as an Ole Miss Rebel uh, pretending like he was a dog peeing after scoring a touchdown. This was a couple years ago. Can't beat that. Getting an unsportsmanlike conduct That's penalty. Right. That's right. He. he uh, <laughs> and then did they did they not lose the game? Am I correct in I this? I think so. But yeah, um, he hiked his just, leg up. Just an all-timer. That's great. An all-timer. But yes, I, I, I told you this because you asked me this over text last night. And and I said, well, um, if I wasn't from Indiana, this game wouldn't even be on my radar. To be honest. I am from Indiana, and it's not on my radar. I mean, I am too, but I'm saying if I wasn't, right. it, it wouldn't even be a thought. No, nobody cares. Outside of... And and you're going to get to, I think, later on in the week, maybe tomorrow, about ways to change this. But when you have India, Ohio State, Michigan, and Indiana and Purdue on the same Saturday, I mean, man, how are you going to decide to pick which game you're going to watch between those two? It's crazy. I mean, A&M, LSU at the same time, Kentucky, Louisville, that's an even better rivalry game. <laughs> uh, we should give away tickets so we could just dog this game and then give tickets away for people. But yeah, high noon in West Lafayette. If you're a glutton for punishment, have fun at the game. Purdue uh, right now is a favorite at minus three. Just, yeah. But thankfully football season is almost over because basketball season, there's a lot to look forward to. Hey, and both of them got wins yesterday. Yes, they did. One was a little bit more impressive than the other one though. <laughs> for sure. Uh, before we get to headlines, uh, is there a store? So we went to Meyer last night and normally we shop at Aldi and then Costco Okay. We go to Meyer usually for Thanksgiving and then just a couple random times over the summer uh, for like if there's like a party or something. And like that's about it. And Meyer is the store that we cannot control ourselves at because we're used to going to Aldi where, <laughs> you know, we like we like going there, but there's not the selection, obviously. Right. At an Aldi uh, or Costco where we just get, check off the same things every time. Um, right. We cannot control ourselves at Meyer. Is there a store? you go to where it's like you, you feel like you have no self-control. Well, my what, wife what at target. Yes. Uh, yeah. But okay. That's a given, I guess for a lot of people. Yeah. But what about like, a, is there like a grocery store or like, well, the key is if you go, if I go to the grocery store hungry, doesn't matter which store I go to, that's bad news. So I would say that is, is the biggest thing. If I go to Kroger or Walmart and I'm hungry. Yeah. That's trouble. It, it, that's always something that I make sure I, Eat a snack before you go. Like, don't do this to yourself. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I mean it could be coming home from work and the wife's like, hey, swing by, up. we need this and this. Mm-hmm. It's bad news. Bad news. I was just curious because, like, every time we go to Meyer, like, we love Meyer. Don't get me wrong. You just, but just feel out of control. Because I'm there, like, huh? oh, they have this. Oh, can we buy this? Like, but I'm not actually going to want to buy it. Cause I'm like, we can't, we can't do this. Like, this is why we only come here a few <laughs> times a year. <laughs> you just stick with the Aldi stick. Yes. Stick with going in and getting exactly what you need and getting the hell that out is, of That is, that is how I shop. There's no, not many teases at Aldi. No, you get what you get. Yep. Thank you. Uh, all right. Headlines last night and I went to bed at halftime. So I was stunned to see the final score this morning between the Eagles and chiefs as the Eagles 
get the win, rallying back from a 17-7 halftime deficit for a 21-17 win at Arrowhead. So you have the, the Chiefs losing Arrowhead to the Eagles and to the Lions already this season. Um, and if I'm Patrick Mahomes, I think I'm going to start getting even more frustrated at my receivers because, uh, well, they continue to be a problem this year. Marquez Valdez scandaling with about a minute and a half, two minutes to go, drops a sure go-ahead touchdown downfield, and the Chiefs end up losing 21-17. Now the Chiefs wide receivers with 26 drops this season. That's the most in the NFL. And we've said it at times, is you can only get away with putting anybody around Patrick Mahomes before it starts costing you. When you're letting other big name wide receivers walk guys like Tyreek Hill is eventually when you have trap, when you have not Travis Kelsey, but Justin Watson and Kadarius Tony and Marquez Valdez scandling as your top threats in the passing game outside of Travis Kelsey, eventually that starts hurting you. They expected Sky Moore to be a dude to step up. He not has been a guy. Has has one catch with for four yards last night. Valdez Scandling was targeting targeted three times, no catches, including that drop. And that's not to take anything away from the Philadelphia Eagles defense, which kept the Chiefs shut out in the second half. And just a big time win on the road. And not, this was, I would say, a boring game, but it sure as hell didn't live up to the hype. Well, I mean, the weather certainly was a factor, right? But it with took the rain. Well into the third quarter for either quarterback to surpass 100 yards passing. Isaiah Pacheco ran for 89 yards. Deontay Swift ran for 76 yards. So there was there was something to like in the passing game, but in terms of, of scoring, it didn't. But the comeback for the Eagles delivered in the second half, outscoring the Chiefs 14-0. Eagles now 9-1. and And now the number one seed in the AFC. Do you know who it is? Um... That's a great question. I honestly don't know. It Let me a, see if I can guess. Yes. Uh, is it? It's not the Dolphins. It's not the Dolphins. Is it? It's not the Browns. It's not the Browns. It's that division, though. Pittsburgh? Nope. No. Cincy? No. no. Who are you forgetting in that division? Who am I forgetting in that division? AFC? Oh, Baltimore. Baltimore, Baltimore. Ravens are the number one seed in the AFC right now. Eight and three. Four teams, three teams, no, four teams at seven and three, including the mighty Cleveland Browns. It will be interesting to see if this wide receiver problem catches up with Kansas City in the playoffs, right? Because it just, it does, doesn't it feel like a ticking time bomb for them? Yeah, I mean, it reared its ugly head at the worst possible moment last night in a key game against a uh, a previous Super Bowl opponent and lost the game because of it, so... Kansas City has some questions to ask this morning and their wide receivers need to step up for this team to win another Super Bowl. Not yeah, not ideal what we saw last night and what we've seen really so far this season. They just they don't have anyone at receiver besides Travis Kelsey. I think that that's plain and clear. Elsewhere in the NFL, uh, Zach Wilson. Well, you had your run. <laughs> he has been benched. Oh, pushed back to be QB three. And now the uh, Jets are going to start Tim Boyle 
We'll start in the the Black Friday game against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Jets playing at home. Trevor Simeon signed from the practice squad will be Boyle's backup. So now Wilson will be the number three quarterback. So he's the emergency quarterback. Jim now. Boyle doesn't he host the show at three o'clock here on thirteen eighty? Oh no, that's Jim Coyle. Jim Coyle, yeah. Tim Boyle uh, from Eastern Kentucky in his fifth season. Yeah, we'll see how long this lasts. Yeah, I I will be surprised if it lasts more than one game. Uh, meanwhile, the Denver Broncos, Kareem Jackson, once again, gets another four-game suspension. Remember that previous one was reduced, uh, but Kareem Jackson suspended without pay for four games for repeated violations of player safety rules. Uh, <laughs> this was the result of his first tackle since he returned from the previous suspension. <laughs> he lowered his helmet, and, and if you see the replay, I mean, yeah, this can't obvious. be a more obvious call. He lowers his helmet like five <laughs> yards away from <laughs> Josh To try Dobbs. to go with Josh Dobbs. Yeah, uh, it's just, just, just ridiculous. I, I think, look, I have no problem with the penalty. At, at some point, you, you got to stand like, they're, up and they're, do they're something. trying to protect himself, him from himself. I mean, those result in neck injuries, the way he's leading with his head and uh, has another four-game suspension. We'll see if he can get this one appealed down, but I don't think so with a repeat offense. In the NBA, the Knicks seeking more than $10 million in damages from the Raptors. This is part of an ongoing lawsuit. It argued uh, that Adam Silver, they also argued Adam Silver, the commissioner, shouldn't arbitrate it because of his close relationship with Raptors governor Larry Tannenbaum. Hmm. Very fascinating story. I feel like, remember how Adam Silver was kind of like the darling of all the commissioners a few years ago? Yeah, that's worn off rather quickly in the last handful of years. Yeah, it's um, he's well on his way to be being booed every time he takes the uh, stage, much like Roger Goodell. The lawsuit alleges the theft of thousands of confidential files. Mm. Was Connor Stallions involved? <laughs> I, no report yet that Stallions is involved, but uh, the report came back on October 16th. Uh, there was a motion to dismiss the Knicks' initial complaint. Uh, this is from the Knicks filing and have Silver arbitrate the dispute. So this is very bizarre, but... Never good when you feel like someone is revealing team files. No, not at all. Not ideal. <laughs> that is not what you want <laughs> happening for your for your franchise. Uh, Notre Dame picked up uh, another recruit for the class of 2025. Three-star corner Cree Thomas uh, commits to the Irish. The defensive back from Brophy Prep in Arizona. That might be familiar to Irish fans because that's the same program that produced Benjamin Morrison. He also comes with some size. I think he runs at 6'1". So... Some size in the secondary for Notre Dame as they continue to build for the class of 2025. Just another addition to the Notre Dame class, and we'll see. You never know. Class of 2025, that's a long way away. Next December till he can sign. We'll see if he inks with the Irish coming up a little over a year from now. A couple of honors for Purdue-Fort Wayne basketball, both men and women. On the men's side, Quentin Morton-Robertson earned his first career Horizon League Men's Basketball Player of the Week. Is the Arizona tip-off MVP, averaged 22 points in the two wins at a career-high 27 against Northern Arizona. Meanwhile, Shayla Sellers was the Horizon League Women's Basketball Player of the Week uh, as she led Purdue-Fort Wayne to a 70-64 overtime win at Southern Illinois, had 20 points in that game, a 7-8 from the foul line, uh, was 6-6 six six during the overtime period, uh, scoring 8 of her 20 in OT. So again, uh, both clubs uh, having some success early in the season and a big one for the women's team on Black Friday as they'll take on Caitlin Clark in Iowa and Estero, Florida 
the opening round of the Gulf Coast Showcase. Yeah, that'll be fun for the Dons to see if they can uh, hang around versus a top five opponent in Iowa. Meanwhile, the Mastodons men, they'll get San Francisco out in the Bay tomorrow night, 9 o'clock tip-off. Will that be on 1380 yes. tomorrow night? Well, it, pending any... Ah, pending, any, uh, pending Purdue? Pending Purdue, but I think we're in the clear, last I checked. So there, there are so many schedule scenarios with the Maui Invitational, and uh, I think we're in the clear for that, for uh, the Dons to be on. Uh, but uh, They'll come back after that game for a couple home games, Wittenberg mm-hmm. next on Saturday at 7 o'clock at the Gate Center, and then kick off Horizon League play a week from tomorrow night at the Coliseum, 7 o'clock, tip against Green Bay. Don't forget, you can text Thanksgiving to 46862. Again, Thanksgiving to 46862 and be in the running for a four-pack of tickets. See the comments coming up Thursday night, the Bob Chase Memorial game at the Coliseum against Iowa, 7.30 puck drop there. Uh, make sure you can pick up the tickets either today or tomorrow at the station uh, since these are, are tickets in-house. Uh, and a couple of roster moves for the case. Uh, Cameron Suprika, yeah, uh, I'll defenseman, let you say those names. yeah, uh, returning from Belleville, and also the case traded Joe Gattenby and William Provost to the Allen Americans for forward Chad Butcher and future considerations. Ah, the illustrious future considerations. Right? I always love future considerations popping up on we'll a trade. See what the K's can do in this weekend, and that big one, of course, coming up on Thanksgiving night out of the Coliseum with Iowa coming into town. Couple of texts that rolled in during headlines. I'm totes not watching Purdue IU. We need to rename the trophy to the toilet bowl. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, I'll tease this now. I have a plan to make the Purdue IU game in football, I think, much more palatable and a much bigger deal. So uh, we'll detail that tomorrow. Uh, also, maybe the Chiefs need to suit up Taylor Swift as a wideout. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know if she can Can't catch. Be any worse. But, yeah. Huh. Uh, someone else, Dons versus Dons, sounds like a mafia battle. Yeah, I'm looking forward <laughs> to the the first Dons versus Dons matchup. Yeah, we'll see if the uh, the Purdue Fort Wayne Dons can continue. You know, if they can win, that'd be obviously tremendous. If they can hold their own against San Francisco, I think they'd be a, a win in itself. San Francisco, a, a good program. They're not making tournaments year after year, but they're usually competitive in the West Coast Conference. So this yeah. this would still be a quality win uh, for the Mastodons. And who got a quality win last night? Well, none other than the Purdue Boilermakers as Purdue, uh, after a sloppy first half, in fact, a slow start for Zach Eady, just 4 of 11 at halftime. He finished with 25, 14, three blocks. Purdue racked up their 28th straight non-conference win, beating number 11 Gonzaga 73-63 to in their opening game of the Maui Invitational in Honolulu yesterday. And for the Boilers, Justin... This wasn't even like a great performance and, and once again struggling from distance just 4 of 17 for Purdue. They just find a way to get it done. And the, the biggest thing I notice with this team is you know they're going to scrap and they can scrap with the best of them. They can. I mean, they trailed by as many as 9 late in the first half before coming alive the final few minutes of the first half and then in the second half outscoring Gonzaga 43-28 to 28 in the second half. And Ed was as advertised. He finished eight of sixteen from the field, made nine of ten from the free throw line, fourteen rebounds, three block shots. How about Lance Jones yesterday? Thirteen right? points, and Purdue as a collective shot fifty four percent from the field. Braden Smith had thirteen points, five steals as well. It was 
it was another very, very good win for the Purdue Boilermakers, and it shows just how good this team can be. I mean, Gonzaga is a top 10 team. I know they were ranked 11th going into tomorrow night. They're going to be a top 10 team at the end of, of, the, of the season, no doubt. And to be able to overcome the adversity, were trailed by as many as nine in the first half, cut it to five at the break, and then came out ready to play in the second half and just thoroughly dominated. Just an impressive performance by an imperfect Purdue team. 13 turnovers last night, uh, 11 assists. You'd like to... Not ideal there. Not ideal, right? In terms of turning the ball over. Shot only four of 17 from three, but did the other things tremendously well. Defended the three very well. Six of 32, Gonzaga shot 18%, and it was a, a really good effort by Purdue. I mean, you come out of it, and it's almost, it wasn't surprising. These are the expectations for Purdue, right? And even down nine in that first half, you felt Purdue hadn't played well at that time. You felt felt like they were going to figure it out. out. Yeah, they were going to turn it up at some point, and they did. You talked about the the defense and the the three-point shooting struggles for Gonzaga. So Gonzaga was 6 of 19 from distance in the first half. 0 for in the second half, 0 for 13. Uh, Purdue improving to 4-0 all-time against the Zags, which I think is an impressive stat in and of itself. And you you touched on Lance Jones. I want to talk about Lance Jones and Miles Colvin. Lance Jones, uh, and I remember, I want to say it was Dylan sitting in the Journal Gazette saying uh, it was either him or Sam King of the Lafayette Journal and Courier a few weeks back, basically saying Lance Jones is going to have a bigger impact on this team than you think. And I can't remember. It was one of the two of them that said that a few weeks ago, leading into the season. And Lance Jones, to me, has been a catalyst for this team. He has been everything Purdue thought they were going to get last year out of David Jenkins. Even more. Yeah, and and he took the second uh, highest amount of shots last night for Purdue outside of of Zach Eady. And was very good. Left something to be desired from three. Hit just one of six, but four rebounds, a couple steals, very active on both ends of the court and gave Purdue a lot of good minutes. And I think something else to take out of last night when, when, when early in the season, and I know we're still in their season, but early first couple of games, people said, Oh my gosh, Purdue's going to go 12, maybe 13 deep. Oh my gosh. I mean, they went 10 deep last night. That's all more 10 guys, what we expect. Yes. And all 10 guys played at least 10 minutes. So if Purdue against the top 10 foe can go 10 deep, and not lose and and really be able to play each of those guys. It's not like spot couple minutes and hope to survive over three or four minutes while that guy is in. You look from from Caleb first to Mason Gillis to Miles Colvin to Ethan Morton. I mean, all the way down, and gave you productive minutes. I mean, outside of maybe Ethan Morton, who didn't do much at all when he was on the court, he still wasn't a liability when he was out there. And so that was impressive to see for Purdue. But I think what you saw last night with that 10-man rotation, that's probably what it's going to be most of the season for Purdue. And a- another player, I think, who continues to show well early this year, Miles Colvin, the only freshman on the squad, uh, 2 of 5 from the field, but 2 of 4 from three-point range, finished with six points. And he's now 9 of 14 from distance this season. And, and look, we talk about the depth. Look, you look at the guys coming off the bench for Purdue at a lot of programs, they're probably starting. Uh, Miles Colvin, definitely. Um, you know, outside of some of the top of the top programs, right, in the top 10, a lot of these guys are probably starting. And, and so for Purdue to be a legit 10 deep and could go even more says something about how well they played this early in the season. 
and I know people will text in and, and all that about Purdue and not it, it, it wait till March. And, and I agree, but they are looking the part of a team that should make a deep run in March. Will they? <laughs> Who knows? But they're looking the part of that team, which is all you can expect at this time, point of the season. We can't fast forward to March to see what Purdue is going to do then. But we can't appreciate how they look now, and they looked pretty good last night. A couple other texts on the Boilers. Lance and his pants, Jones, a game changer for Purdue. Also a text at 46862. CK Fletcher, lawyer, has it improved? I mean, he had 13 points, 6 of 8 from the field. Like, I, I don't know. No, like, I mean, Fletcher Lawyer only finished with 2. Or, excuse time. me. Sorry, I'm reading Braden Smith's stat line. Yeah, Fletch, Fletcher Lawyer, yeah, he struggled, but I guess Lance Jones has picked up that slack. Yeah, Fletch, well, he'll get going. I mean, kid's a grinder. Uh, shadow of 6 from the field last night, just 2 points, 3 turnovers, not ideal. The, the key thing for Purdue is, I, I think, last year it was... Zach Eady and probably Fletcher Lawyer, and then they were look lucky to get someone else. This year, you know you have Zach Eady. Uh, so far, Lance Jones has been a guy. Uh, you have several other people who can step up and score. Braden Smith can score. Fletcher Lawyer can score. Like it, it's just a different team, and the makeup of this team is is different. Someone saying all oh, Purdue's bench would start for IU. <laughs> Not quite, but close. <laughs> uh, also, C.K. Colvin is likely going to take Lawyer's starting spot. That's something we'll probably get more on that conversation in hour number two because you, you you touched on this, but it's more of the, okay, so it's great now, but what does it mean, right? And how do we balance those factors with Purdue? What we're seeing right now and then knowing that ultimately March is all that matters with this team. Well, I think one thing that you look at Purdue and you can say every guy in that lineup outside of Edie has to be looking over their shoulder because there's a capable guy coming off the bench that could potentially replace them. And the texter mentioned about Miles Colvin and Fletcher Lawyer. And Lawyer's, his scoring is down from last year, but his shooting percentage from three is up slightly. He's rebounding at a better clip than he was a year ago. His turnovers per game are pretty much the same. His free throw percentage is perfect so far this season so but when you look at last night or yesterday afternoon going 24 minutes two points one rebound one assist consistently yes that's not going to get it done meanwhile you look in bloomington and all of the laziness that we've seen out of the out of the hoosiers and mike woodson talking about guys having to need a better effort but they're not necessarily looking over their shoulder on who can replace them on the bench who's replacing mckenzie and Baco off the bench and replacing with the starting lineup who's replacing khalil ware and, and and that's the thing. Who who's replacing Xavier Johnson or Trey Galloway if the effort's not there? They're not looking over their shoulder. Meanwhile, at Purdue, they have no problem dipping into that bench and maybe making some changes if things don't improve. But make no mistake, this is the beauty of having the depth that Purdue has. Is when somebody else is in a valley, somebody else is at a peak, and that's going to ebb and flow over the course of thirty thirty five games over the course of the season is it's not just going to be automatic like Zach Eady is each and every night. And that that's the that's that's how Purdue has helped with that depth is okay, if Fletch is in a in a drought for a couple of weeks, you have Miles Colvin pick him up and Miles Colvin hits a wall. We talk about freshman walls. Who's who's to say Miles Colvin won't hit that at some point? And this text leads kind of perfectly into that and we'll get to this in hour number 2 uh talking about well all of Purdue's guards have to have to be Good to great to win in March. Not sure they have that at this point. 
Uh, I think I might disagree. We'll get more into that in hour number two. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side, IU pulled a trick out of the hat. Who's your win against a lowly Louisville squad? Well, details on the Hoosiers and did Mike Woodson turn a corner? Well, at least they figured out a way to use something that's never been been able to work in their favor in the past. That's next. Healing something from Kenny Syracuse. Morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Oh, you're playing one of my least favorite songs. Really? Yes. Why? I don't know. I just, I'm not a fan. Not a fan? It's like, I, I'm not a fan of this. Uh, Hotel California by the Eagles. Uh-huh. Which is weird because I like Don Henley's like solo stuff. Yeah, you like hotels and you like California. Yeah, but not the song. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Just means I'll keep playing it. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> fine. I did. I I did this to myself. You did, but you also did it to yourself by watching Indiana basketball yesterday. <laughs> uh, yeah, in a good way for once. Uh, it was back was and it? forth. It, well, it was an emotional roller coaster <laughs> because you you they started out strong. And then just an absolutely horrible sequence to end the first half, giving up a three to Sky Clark. It went from being a breakaway and looking like maybe a, a, a dunker layup while the pass was overthrown. And IU turns it over. Sky Clark nails a three. And, and suddenly at the break, you're thinking, uh, is, is what is happening? What I think is going to happen here in this game? Because IU was the lead had been cut to five. Louisville comes out. IU has a strong start to the second half, and then Louisville suddenly finds itself up seven, uh, about, what, eight and a half to play. IU switches to a zone. They rally back and end up coming away with an eight-point win. Now, this is not a good Louisville team. This would have been an embarrassing loss. It can't shoot from the outside, which means the zone works perfectly. Yes. And you don't need guys to move as much in a zone, which also works perfectly for Indiana. (laughs) Because you have guys that want to take possessions off on defense. But IU, uh, they switched to that zone. Woodson says the zone switch came in the huddle during a timeout. Players suggested it. He basically said, why not try it? So so, so he's not even coming up to, with this. No. He, he said this is something they had worked on over the summer in the preseason to have it in their back pocket. Basically, if and when they needed it. Well... IU obviously needed it because, again, they were down seven, uh, nearing the under-eight timeout. Then the Hoosiers finished the game on a 23-8 to run to get the win. And for Indiana, I think the funniest part in all of this, Kenny Payne actually said this quote, I knew Woody wouldn't play zone. At least I thought I knew. He tricked me. <laughs> like, what? Got bamboozled. Like, they're, they're, they're longtime friends. But for him to admit that out loud. I didn't expect it. And like, well, it wasn't even my <laughs> idea anyway. Players came up with it. It was t- I would not have done that to to uh, to Kenny Payne because he didn't think I would do it, and that's just a gentlemanly agreement. Yeah, uh, for Kenny Payne to basically admit that he is completely unprepared for his own as a head coach is really bad. Uh, yeah. Well, and Mike Woodson too, going, oh yeah, maybe that'll work. I don't know. I didn't come up with it. Players wanted to do it. What a thought. What so a concept. IU figured it out. The zone worked. Who would have guessed? And IU instead of getting embarrassed by his own. Used it to completely shut someone else down with the three, uh, uh, two three zones, excuse me, uh, to close out that basketball game. And the positives, well, Malik Renew continues to be pretty good outside of, you know, the foul issues, which has been basically his entire time at Indiana. He had 12 points in this game. 
Lil Ware with 12 and 7. Xavier Johnson bounced back after a really bad performance against UConn for 14 points, 9 and 12 from the foul line. And I think the, the biggest bright spots, Peyton Sparks and Anthony Walker off the bench, they combined for 20 points in this game. We finally saw Anthony Walker, the transfer from Miami, contribute, and Peyton Sparks continuing to, to show he can be more and more of a factor for this squad. CJ Gunn, I think, also off the bench was a solid contributor for the Hoosiers. Still couldn't shoot from three, didn't attempt very many threes. I, I It's Louisville. I mean, yeah. the only other wins are against Coppin State and um, Maryland-Baltimore County. And, and so, they, they lost to a D2 school in an exhibition. So take it for what it's worth, I guess. Do we see, I think the question, the biggest question coming out of this one is, do we see more zone now from Indiana? I don't think against so. Against certain teams, you don't? I don't think so. I think it's, uh, if it works against Louisville, it doesn't necessarily work against everybody, but I think you'll see it more out of Indiana. Particularly if the effort, there's that word, isn't there in man defense. If these guys are incapable of moving and they're like, just, Oh God, my guy just he keeps running all over the place in the half court. I got to follow him everywhere. Is that what the man defense? I took to go everywhere this guy goes. Now you go zone, like oh, I just got to stay in my area. But Purdue or IU gets the win yesterday. It's just one of those games where okay, you you should have won this game. You should have won this game more comfortably than you did. But a win is a win. You bounce back, I guess, from a UConn game. Now you get. Uh, a bit of a break before Sunday's game against Harvard. And then to kick off December, you have back-to-back Big Ten games. And then you get Auburn and Kansas. (laughs) So of the next five games, you have one gimme in Harvard, and then you have four consecutive big games. I can't be convinced that any game is a gimme at this point because I thought Louisville was a gimme game. And and then late in the second half, I thought they're not seriously going to lose to Louisville. I mean, Harvard, people people chuckle. Like, Harvard, their only loss is to Boston College, and that was a competitive game at Boston College. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not buying that it's a gimme game. It should be, but it's not because this team hasn't earned, hasn't earned that yet. It's the only game, in my opinion, that they should win comfortably out of the next five. Yes, but we thought they'd win comfortably against very Louisville, true. and that did not happen. Very for, true. for Indiana, look, the, the positive is you changed something. You found something that worked. Now, I don't think that's going to work across the season. It was a one-game, one-time adjustment that that played that, pay, that paid dividends for Indiana, and it's a building block because you you found a win, a, a way to win a game that was getting away from you. I yeah. will say that, but beyond that, it, this is a Louisville program that's awful. Yes, they're better than they were last year. I don't think anyone's doubting that so far. They're still really bad. They're still terrible. Uh, perfect text coming in, 46862. Woodson should just step aside and the players coach themselves like he did in the NBA. Uh, it fits the NBA mold, right? Just stand back and let the, the, the players work. Woodson basically coming in and say, I, I, and I was out of ideas. The players came up with something. It, it actually worked. Maybe I could learn something. The effort was there. Some, some texts yeah, are saying that yeah. the effort was there. One game doesn't Make a trend. Though. And it doesn't solve okay? all the problems. It doesn't solve all the problems. So, yes, you got that win. Effort was better. Can it continue against Harvard? And particularly, can it continue with the four-game stretch of Maryland, Michigan, Auburn, Kansas? That will be indicative. I'm not putting too much into what we saw last night against Louisville. I'm not putting too much into what we see against Harvard, unless it's bad. 
But you look at the first two weeks of December, and that will be really, truly indicative of where Indiana is. Because we know they're not on UConn's level. But could they be on Maryland's level? Could they be on Michigan's level? Auburn, they're not on Kansas's level. So those are just my questions for Indiana going forward is the next couple weeks being very important. So yeah, a win is a be- better than a loss against Louisville, but I'm not coming away too impressed out of last night. Uh, several other texts at 46862. Louisville is a dumpster fire. Hard to believe they won a natty only 10 years ago, isn't it? I mean, yeah, they've undergone some coaching changes since then, but it, it is hard to believe because Louisville should be a top 20, at worst, top 30 program, and they've just been an absolute disaster. Uh, someone else saying, uh, so Texas is a bad team. They won in a buzzer beater to Louisville. Well, Texas won. That, that's all that matters. I'm not saying IU anything won. about Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying IU's a bad team. I say it's a flawed team. Uh, someone and, else, m- must be nice to have a, a cruise in, in non-conference play. Huge difference between Purdue and IU's schedule. IU has number one Kansas. They have Auburn in a neutral site Yeah, but game. are they criticizing IU or Purdue? Are they criticizing IU? If they're criticizing IU, they're set to host the number one team in the country in a few weeks. So I, I don't they know what to UConn. tell you. Yeah, and they played the defending Auburn. national champs. You like, can, what, what more do you want? Purdue you, has the Mali Invitational, and IU has the UConn game. They have the Kansas game, and they have the Auburn game. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an exponentially more difficult schedule than what Archie and Tom Crane put together in the non-conference. Yeah. That's for sure. Also, this... Uh, CK, it's simply impossible for Justin to give any praise to IU as Purdue bias is showing. I think I think they're saying that tongue in cheek, but I'm not sure. No, I think uh, maybe I don't know. <laughs> I grew up an IU fan. I, I I don't understand. It's I just it's hysterical. If I talk good about IU, IU Homer. If I talk good about Purdue, Purdue Homer. I mean, if you if you if you watch last night's game and all of a sudden you're really excited about IU basketball, you're a Homer. Yes, well, this text right here, 46862. CK, you guys are unbelievable. They win and all you do is nitpick it. What would you be doing if they lost? Did either of you even watch the game? Yes. I watched the game. I watched the game. This is a bad Louisville team. Are you excited about beating Louisville by eight? Is that what you are as an IU fan? I would have been excited if they beat Louisville by, you know, 15 or 20. That's what I fully expected going into the game. Uh, IU plays down to their opponents. I think that's clear early this season. Whatever you got to tell yourself, IU fans, to be excited about this team. Right now, you're lucky to be a 10 seed. Right now. If you want to get excited about beating Louisville, a bad, horrible Louisville team, then more power to you. I'm putting more stock in the fact that you got trounced by UConn. At that, but, but hey, whatever you got to tell yourself to, be, to wake up positive as an IU fan this morning. I mean, Lord knows you don't have the football team to talk about. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just... Yeah, don't I, care what IU did like, last night. They played Louisville. Louisville's terrible. I, the, I'm I'm shocked. Like I, I'm shocked that, like, what do you want us to say? Nah, you want to say not. everything's it's, great and it was hunky dory and oh, it was so great that they used the two three zone and they figured everything. Like, this is a bad well Louisville done. program. You played hard. This is a game they should have won by double digits. It should never have been this close. The score made it look. Uh, uh, not as close as it ultimately was. IU did pull away late, but not without some hand-wringing. Sorry, your wins this year against Florida Gulf Coast, Army, Wright State, and Louisville. Beat somebody of consequence. Yeah. Maryland, Michigan, Auburn, Kansas. Then we'll talk. But hey, if, 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 uh, if beating Louisville by eight gets you hype, more power to you. 
Uh, also, this IU shot one of eleven from three. Hard to be excited about that. Yeah, well, that it is what it is at this point. I've I've given up. Like it, it is what it given is. up on they, the three point shot. Yes, is that what you're saying? They, they they can't shoot it. Plain and simple. I mean, the IU guard play. Uh, yes, Xavier Johnson was improved, but it's still bad. And that was the one thing we thought would be a strength. So we'll talk more in hour number two where we go off the deep end. Uh, I don't think this was a big step forward, but Woodson at least adjusted something in a game. Uh, the players adjusted. Yes. Suggested an adjustment, and Mike Woodson adopted it. Don't give Mike Woodson any credit for that other than saying, yeah, let's do that. We'll reset where we're at with that in hour number two. Uh, coming up on the other side, a way you can help out an area athlete going through a, a very difficult time. We'll give you details on that next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan. Uh, it's fine. Okay. It's fine. Now I'm afraid doing the rejoins that you're going to jump <laughs> down my throat about not liking song. Well, that's better than the texters jumping down your throat about being a Purdue homer. <laughs> 46862 is the text line number 46862. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny with you. Uh, Don't forget the the keyword. Someone texted in earlier last segment saying I'm texting thankful. No, the keyword for Comets tickets is Thanksgiving. Text Thanksgiving to 46862. Thanksgiving Thanksgiving to 46862. For the Bob Chase Memorial game Thursday night against Iowa, 730 puck drop. You got to be able to pick up the tickets uh, at the studios here, uh, South Fort Wayne. So make sure you're able to do that either today or tomorrow before business hours close at 5 p.m. tomorrow uh, and to be able to pick those up. So just give yourself some time. But uh, uh, several texts rolling in for Thanksgiving. Uh, another one, uh, you guys were more defensive than IU in that last segment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this thing, IU played really they Solid defense, good defense. And Offensively, they, they have five issues. and a half. I mean, uh, sorry, I'm not going to praise a team for beating Louisville. No, congrats. I, I, I'm That's not either. where you're at as an IU fan, where you have to take positives out of beating a terrible Louisville team. Does that say more about us or more about the state of Indiana basketball? Let's just put it this way: IU dropped a spot in the Ken Palm rankings yeah. after the win. They beat Louisville and dropped in Ken Palm. That tells you all you need to know about Louisville and the quality of the win. Moving on. Uh, th- this, and, and I saw, I think you may have retweeted this, or I saw something yeah, on social media. Yeah, I did media. retweet it yesterday. Yep. And we want to provide a way for you to, to help an area athlete in need. Uh, a Homestead boys basketball player, Will Jamison, uh, was injured over the weekend in a car crash after he went to uh, pick up his sister after the game, going out with the team to eat. Then he went to pick up his sister after um, the... So this was the, the team cheering on the Homestead uh, girls varsity team and they took on Noblesville over the weekend. And uh, sister was fine in the car crash. Will was not um, taken to the ICU at Lutheran. Still recovering there. And I'm actually going to send out the link on our Twitter page on how you can help out uh, and donate to this GoFundMe uh, our Twitter, Caleb Kinney 1380. Uh, we just want to provide a way to help a family. I mean, look, it's it's the holiday season, and not that there's ever a good time for anything like this to happen, but it, it, let's let's help out an area athlete and their family in this time of need. Yeah, so, I mean, injured in the in the accident, Will Jamison at Homestead, and it just it, it's tough anytime this happens, but especially around this time of year. And Jamison, great kid, comes from a good family, uh, one of the 
best players in the entire area in terms of uh, on the court. But regardless of his talents, I mean, he's a great kid in a terrible situation. So there's a GoFundMe up for him and his family and trying to help with some medical expenses. Um, you're hoping that uh, things turn out for Will and um, just a, just just a bad situation, but a good opportunity to help him out and the family with a GoFundMe. Yeah, so again, we've tweeted that link out, Caleb Kinney 1380 on uh, Twitter slash X. Uh, we put the, the GoFundMe page out. Again, they're, they're trying to raise $50,000 uh, right now at about $3,400. And again, unexpected medical bills. We all know how this goes, right? Uh, unfortunately, the way the system is set up, for people like you and me, um, it can get you in over your head. And so we just want to provide a way to help out a family need this holiday season. Yes. So we'll, uh, we'll tweet that, uh, that link out. It, the link is out. So but you can find it out as go. well on my Twitter and it, it's out there. I'm sure on Facebook and, and stuff, just search Will Jamison, go find me. You'll be able to find it. Absolutely. Uh, one other note I wanted to get to, um, before we get to next hour. And this was interesting. I didn't see this in the initial release over the weekend, but a, an interesting wrinkle to the Notre Dame, uh, TV deal extension with NBC. I didn't see anything on this before, so I find this to be a fascinating nugget. But again, there will probably be another Notre Dame game on Peacock every year. That that's expected. Plus, all the games will be be streamed on there. But there'll at least be another exclusive Peacock, you know, only broadcast. They've done that since 2021. But this other line, last sentence in a story I saw an awful announcing. Peacock will also be the home of a new annual documentary series on Notre Dame football debuting in 2024. So will it be like a following the team throughout the season? I, I would assume. Now, was it the 2015 season that they did a season with? And that was uh, Jalen Smith was on that team. I um, mean, it uh, followed them. That docuseries was, was it like HBO. It was really, really well done. And, and I get it. The different platform, this would be right. NBC, Universal, uh, compared to HBO. But that was really well done. Kind of reminded me of that. I mean, to me, this is another good recruiting tool. If, if, if it is a good program and gives you a real inside look at things, I think it's helpful. And I, I thought a season with when they did that was excellent uh, back in, in 2015 for the 2015 season. And, and this could be something just like that again. And I think you look at the um, with, with Notre Dame and, and head coach Marcus Freeman more open to, I think, this kind of stuff. If it is indeed like a a season uh, following the, following the team, like a season with, like you mentioned. So yeah, if it's look, it's 2023. You can only get away with hyping kids up with Rudy for so long. Okay. And so Notre Dame needs to do something more modern and relevant. And maybe this is it. Yeah. I I think this is another way to kind of give your program a bit of an edge and, and why not take advantage, right? If you have a TV partner willing to do that and invest in it, as long as it's well done, it's it's going to help you. It's not going to hinder you. So we'll see exactly what the details are of that and what comes of it with this new TV deal. 46862, your text line number 46862. Don't forget to text Thanksgiving to 46862 if you want to be in the running for a four-pack of tickets. See the comments. Thursday night, Bob Chase Memorial Game against Iowa at the Coliseum. Just text Thanksgiving to 46862. We'll pick a winner at the end of the show. Coming up 
on the other side. Purdue off to a strong start. And, and I think we'll continue to have this debate across the season. But does it matter? We'll get to that next. Caleb McKinney in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two here on a Tuesday. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. You can reach us on the text line as always at 46862. Again, 46862. Thanks for being with us on your Tuesday, a rainy Tuesday here in Fort Wayne. Coming up this hour on the show. Purdue off to a strong start, but doesn't matter. We'll get to that in a bit. Plus, Mike Woodson, well, I guess technically the players, but they make a key adjustment. Was this a step forward? Is this the same old team? And the NFL looks on a ban on a tackling maneuver. Is the league flirting with the edge when it comes to competitiveness and style of play? We'll get to that later this hour. And before we leave you, uh, a crew board, a U.S.-bound plane, discovered something missing after the aircraft was already 13,000 feet in the air. (laughs) I'll tell you what that was. Uh, when we wrap up around 8.50, 8.55 or so on the show this morning. Don't forget, you can text Thanksgiving to 46862. Again, Thanksgiving to 46862. And be in the running for a four-pack of tickets to see the Comets. Hosting the Iowa Heartlanders. Thanksgiving night for the Bob Chase Memorial Game. Puck drop at 7.30. Again, Thanksgiving to 46862 for a four-pack of tickets. We'll pick a winner into the show. You do need to be able to pick these up either today or tomorrow between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Uh, before we we close for Thanksgiving and Black Friday. So again, got to pick them up before 5 p.m. tomorrow if you want those tickets. Yeah, so if you're going to enter, make sure you can pick them up. That's always the key, right? Yes. I feel like people enter because they want to win, but if you're not actually going to pick them up, it doesn't matter. Someone else will go, and that someone else will be someone at the station who just gets the tickets. So we want to make sure... You're able to pick them up. All right, so Purdue off to a strong start. They get the win last night against number 11 Gonzaga, 73-63. to Their opening game of the Maui Invitational, the Boilers, host number 7 Tennessee tonight. Uh, that will have a pregame at 7, tip at 8, approximately, uh, from the Stan Sheriff Center in Honolulu uh, for Purdue in their second-round matchup. And again, Winner of tonight's game will play in the Maui Invitational Tournament Championship, which uh, could very well match up with number one Kansas. So a lot on the line for the Boilers uh, to be able to get to that point in this tournament. But for Purdue, it it was a good performance. They didn't even play well most of the first half, and then they just shut you down. And I think the narrative that we're going to be talking about all season long is how do we balance progress in hitting benchmarks throughout the season with the ultimate goal which is getting to a Final Four and playing deep into March. And that is the question, right? Because you can do good things, and I don't want to take away from what they're accomplishing either in the season. Because last year, I think there was this sense that, well, because they lost to FDU in the first round, nothing they did mattered. Well, they were well ahead of schedule. They were a season ahead of schedule than, than what we expected them to be. The season they had last year, that's what we expected this year. So they were a year ahead, and we don't want to say, oh, well, nothing they did matter, because I think for last year, that's not true, ultimately. And yes, it, it was a frustrating loss in the tournament, but they still accomplished a lot. They're still a really good team, and now bringing everyone back and, and definitely reloading, not rebuilding, now there is that pressure to get to a Final Four, more so than ever, for, for Matt Painter, 
for this program having the perhaps one of the best Purdue teams they've ever had in program history. There is that pressure. But we, we can't deny any time they achieve something during the season either. That I mean, it's a good point because you look at the level of where Purdue is at and it is the envy of certain other fan bases, whether they want to admit it or not, that they wish their team was like Purdue. They wish they had a chance to lose to a 16 seed as a one seed in the tournament. And I think what we're seeing is the continued excellence of the Purdue Boilermakers under Matt Painter this season. And whether it can continue after Zach Eady departs at the end of this year or not, we'll see. But any questions, and there were very little out there that Purdue would somehow drop back down a little bit, even with Zach Eady, have been proven otherwise. Purdue's not going to go undefeated. They're going to lose some games. I think they're going to be better off for it. Yes, it's all about March for sure, but we can't. But at the same time, we have to appreciate just how good Purdue is because it's absolutely maddening and frustrating to talk about it for IU fans <laughs> at the very least. And I, if I'm the guy that has to continue to remind them that IU wishes deep down, IU fans wish they were where Purdue is, then. I will continue to do that. A couple of texts I want to get to on this topic at 46862. This came uh, before we came back from break. Listen, it does matter because if year after year you contest for a high seed, you help your chances of going far into the tournament. If we, as in Purdue, were consistently getting a bad seed, we wouldn't be expected to do anything. But if you get a high seed every year, you're going to break through eventually. And that's that's where I feel like they're at right now. I well, really do. It says where the overall, where the program is at. And you could say, well, they've underperformed. They haven't got to a Final Four yet. I think anything short of a Final Four this year is a disappointment. And we'll talk about that if and when it happens. But you also can appreciate what Matt Painter has built in West Lafayette comparatively to the struggles that Mike Woodson is having down in Bloomington. And I think that's really the only thing that IU fans that love to hate on Purdue have is yes, Fairleigh Dickinson is the gift that keeps on giving, definitely. But overall, IU wishes it was Purdue in terms of where the program is at. Purdue is where IU used to be and no longer is. And that's a that that's fact. Well, and, and the consistency in the regular season, I get it. Purdue has been inconsistent in March. There's no denying that. But they're able to to develop guys, play tough defense. All the things that were, were were hallmarks of Bob Knight teams and of the IU program for a long time. Dudes that play hard, yes. that aren't necessarily top NBA prospects. Even Zach Eady isn't a top NBA prospect. He'll be a draft pick, but maybe only in the second round. We're not talking lottery pick here. No. Now, Miles Colvin eventually could be a lottery pick. We knew Jay Nivey, uh, he burst onto the scene. We, we figured he'd be a lottery pick. But I, I just think... There is there is a, a a way to yes check off boxes during the season, but know the ultimate goal. But that doesn't mean like you can't enjoy what Purdue is doing. And if they go out win tonight, they beat perhaps Kansas tomorrow, win the Valley Invitational. That's quite the accomplishment. And, and Purdue's had so much success. Remember, twenty eight straight non conference wins. I mean, last year beating Duke 
in West Virginia and Gonzaga in the, the Phil Knight legacy in Portland around this time. I mean, those were impressive wins. And Purdue an opportunity to, to match it again this week in Honolulu. But I think, too, as we look at it, and I think you compare it to last year beating Gonzaga and Duke. Two big wins in three days. And that really set the tone for the rest of the season. But you still had a team that lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So even if Purdue can win the next two games and win the Maui Invitational, by no means does it change, in my opinion, their potential going into the tournament. Because they were able to win two really big games last year. And look what happened. So Well, and, and I'm also not pressing the panic button if Purdue goes out and loses the next two games. Correct. There's, there's no reason to be concerned. The only reason to be concerned is if you know, there's a bad injury or something, right? They just, that's simply not the case with this team. Last year, it was wait and see, and then they had those doldrums late in the year. Maybe we should have seen more of it coming. Right, because of how they played, but then they go out and dominate the Big Ten tournament, which I guess dominating a, a conference tournament where the Big Ten in and of itself can't do anything in tournament play as it is outside Michigan State, maybe should have been a warning sign. I think at the very least you can watch the progress of Purdue's guard play over the course of the season and say, is it going to be good enough come March or not? I think we've seen signs it can. We've seen signs of struggles as well. So all of those things are going to be things that you can watch over the course of the season for Purdue. But I think if they can win again tonight, winning last night, winning tonight, being competitive the next couple of days, it just further shows just where Purdue is as a program and just how much better it is than any program elsewhere in the state of Indiana. And I also think that Gonzaga win is going to look more impressive at the end of the year. Remember the Zags have several transfers. Uh I always get a mix up. Is it Ryan Nimhard who plays for the Zags? Andrew Nimhard for yes, the Pacers. Yeah. Correct. So Ryan Nimhard transferred in from Creighton. Graham Ike, who missed all of last year, uh, transferred in from Wyoming, uh, and he he played well inside. So it's a team that will get a lot better as the season goes on. Several texts to get to at four six eight six two. Zach Eady can't do it all until the shooters can consistently hit threes and handle the press. They're going to repeat last year. Yes, I'm looking at you, Fletcher and Braden. I think Braden has been, yeah. granted, we're talking about what, four games, five mm-hmm. games that Purdue has played? I think Braden Smith has looked pretty good. Granted, the 24 games. Fletcher needs to be better. But you look at Miles Colvin and what he's added to yeah, that Miles team. Colvin is 9 of 14 from three. So, yeah, Purdue as a team is not hitting well from three. But Miles Colvin has turned into a threat off the bench. And I think he will continue to play more of a starring role as the season goes on because he's not expected to be a key contributor like Fletcher and Braden were last year for Purdue, and then they hit that freshman wall. I mean, I think they're shooting pretty well from three. They're hitting 41% of their three-point shots this year thus far. So I, I they're shooting at a better clip than IU is. Um, when you look, Not only are they shooting more, they're shooting better. Um, IU is at 23% this year shooting threes. <laughs> That is 18% worse than Purdue. Uh, someone texting in, wait, so Gonzaga can get a pass now for their new players to develop, but IU can't? Got it. I didn't say a pass. <laughs> I said Gonzaga will be a team that is better at the end of the year, and this win will look more impressive. I saw a Gonzaga team that played hard yeah. last night. Regardless, yeah. <laughs> have you seen IU play hard? Outside of that final eight minutes with the zone. But all I've of a sudden, we're it. judging a team by eight minutes over five <laughs> games. Like, do you not understand what we're saying? IU is lazy basketball team. 
just because it played half of a game yesterday with intensity doesn't mean the narrative changes. They're still a lazy basketball team. I don't care how many new players you have. You can play hard, and Indiana doesn't play hard. And that's really the thing. And again, I didn't give Gonzaga a pass. I just said that win will look better at the end of the year. That's not saying they get a pass because they had transfers. Th- those are different things, right? I'm not, I'm not no, saying you're fine. You're, I'm not you're, saying the same thing here. You're competent. You just got the IU homers out there yeah, that are the, listening. A- apparently, uh, someone else. CK. The non-conference wins are more important in March. Uh, they're they're laughing. Uh, someone else. Huge Boiler fan here, uh, but they will not beat Tennessee tonight. They aren't there yet. It's a Tennessee squad as Dalton Connect, who, I mean, IU fans know as a, a transfer that IU desperately wanted to provide some shooting. It's a deep Tennessee team. It's a good good team. Um, this will be an intriguing matchup because Tennessee also has a couple of 6'11 guys inside. They're not as skilled as Zach Eady, don't get me wrong, but they have some size to at least attempt to match up here, and I think this will be a fascinating matchup. You can hear tonight pregame at 7, tip at 8. Here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM, number two, Purdue, number seven, Tennessee, in the Maui Invitational, round number two. Coming up on the other side, Mike Woodson, well, really, the players made the key adjustment for IU in last night's win. What does this mean moving forward, though, for Indiana? We'll get to that next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Don't forget, you still have time to text in Thanksgiving, the keyword, to 46862. Again, Thanksgiving to 46862. Be in the running for a four-pack of tickets. See the K's and the Iowa Heartlanders. Puck drop at 7.30, Thanksgiving night for the Bob Chase Memorial Game. Again, comments, Heartlanders, just text Thanksgiving to 46862. Uh, before we, we get into this next topic, I think the perfect text uh, came in uh, on this in terms of IU and getting the win against Louisville. Sometimes there's no pleasing IU fans. They're so off the national radar that you have to grasp at straws uh, for the IU homers and get really excited about a win over Louisville. So what we saw last night, yes, the zone changed the game. No one's denying that. They also instituted a press late as well. This saved IU from, I think, what would have been an embarrassing loss but like, was this even really a step forward or was this a blip? Because I, I tend to feel like it was the latter. Uh, yeah, it's impossible to say right now. I'll give IU credit. If this can be their new norm, if, if the effort that they showed, albeit not an entire 40 minutes, but at times last night, if they can do that going forward, then they will be a better basketball team for it. But just because you beat Louisville, and not in convincing fashion does not change my opinion that it's a mediocre basketball team that lacks issue in terms of consistent effort being put in by your players. Talked about it ad nauseum yesterday. Yes. And that is what you get hiring an NBA coach. And those are the expectations that he has. Now, what's interesting is Mike Woodson teams, whether in the NBA or now in, in college at Indiana, specifically this year because he didn't have it the previous two years. But he is a guy that recruits like kind of long, like lengthy players, right? Yeah. Khalil Ware is like in the mold of a Mike Woodson player, a, a big guy who can go out and shoot threes, right? Who can block shots. That's what IU has on this team. And it was f- funny at first to see IU actually out there in a zone and making it work. 
but IU actually has the players to make it work, and that be something this team can do throughout the year. Now, I don't think this is going to become something they use frequently, but I do expect them to use it again. Could they be using it as soon as the next couple weeks? Because the schedule definitely is daunting for for Indiana. If they can get through the next five games, four and one, then I'll be impressed. With, I, with the loan loss to Kansas, I assume? I, loan loss to whoever. I don't care. I mean, okay. I, I, I presume Kansas, but if you go out and lose to Maryland and beat Kansas, Michigan lose, three and two, eh. I mean, this is the thing, like... Wh- like truly, and this is a question for IU fans that are listening. Like, what's your expectations for this team? And that's why they get so salty about Purdue because that used to be the standard. That used to be Indiana. It's not anymore. What's your standard now for Indiana? Is it they played good defense for a half and beat a bad Louisville team by eight? Like, ask yourself introspectively. Ask is that where your standards are for Indiana? Because we're just calling the Hoosiers out because we remember what the standard used to be for Indiana basketball. And it's not anymore. All of a sudden, coaches get raises for making the tournament back-to-back years. And that's what gets fans, some fans excited. And the stars you bring in on the recruiting trail. Those aren't the standards that you and I are used to for Indiana basketball. But hey... Whatever you have to tell yourself to make you think IU is relevant in college basketball on the court in March, then more power to you. That's why you're not going to hear Caleb and I get super excited about a win over Louisville. It's not a good program. Now, 10 years ago, Louisville was a a top five program, right? And yes, I understand they had the scandal with Patino and everything. They moved on, but they have been so bad. Between last year and this year, there have at least been signs of life, right? But this is a game, and someone, I think someone texted the first hour, oh, IU was favored by nine or something. They won by eight, about right. But that, isn't that more of an indictment of IU? Because they've not played is. up to their potential this season. They well, have in spurts, but not for a full game. Think about it. On Sunday, you looked at, at Indiana and say, what are the expectations? Let's hope the Hoosiers don't get embarrassed. They got embarrassed. Meanwhile, Purdue plays Gonzaga last night. You're like, man, if Purdue can win, it'd be a good win. There was not trying to save face. You go into tonight against Tennessee and you say, hopefully Purdue can win. If they play Kansas, at the very least, you're saying maybe they can keep it close. And maybe they could beat Kansas. Who knows? But that's where the expectations are for Purdue. You're going into these ranked games against top 10, top five opponents going, hey, maybe Purdue can win. You're hoping Indiana doesn't get their ass kicked against UConn. And it happened on Sunday. But hey, if you want to get excited about an eight-point win over Louisville, if that's where your expectations are for Indiana basketball now, more power to you. But I remember when there were higher expectations for Indiana basketball. And there should be. I'm not saying they're going to go back to being the 1987 Hoosiers. Don't get me wrong. But there should be higher expectations than just, oh, wow, we make the tournament two years in a row. And Throw that coach, man some money. We're in the, we're in the tournament back to back years. Like what? We've been 21 and 19 under Mike Woodson in the Big Ten. Give that man a, a raise. A million dollar raise. He's had 27 losses in two plus years. Tw- let's say 26 losses in two years. Give that man a raise. Is that where we're at with IU basketball? IU fans, is that where you're at? And you get salty when people criticize IU? Why not? 
I remember when Indiana was a pillar of college basketball, when they were one of the standards of the game. They're not anymore. And yes, they are going to be criticized by me, and they're going to continue to be criticized by me because the expectations have fallen so much that you want people to stroke the egos of Indiana basketball for beating Louisville by eight. Is that where you're at now with Indiana basketball? It seems like it. My expectation going into the Empire Classic, now, uh, again, preseason, because after what we saw the first couple games, it was hard to buy in you know, to this team, right? and that's the problem. But my expectation was, oh, defending national champs, yeah, UConn lost some guys. They have some guys, though, who are back. If IU can be competitive and, and you know, it's a neutral site game, you never know what can happen, right? And they did play well for that first half against UConn for, for, for spurts, but th- the game was over early on the second half. Xavier Johnson, too many fouls, uh, came in, you know, rolled that ankle in the previous game, too many fouls. Uh, it was just consistency, right? And, and they're inconsistent. Now, we did say, yes, it will take some time for this team to gel. That was more about the communication aspect, and they they made huge strides from game number one to where they're at right now. But the real problem is when you have your senior leader, and I said this the other day, and I'll keep saying it, when he says, oh, yeah, we have to practice harder, like that should never happen. That should have never been said. The fact that was said out loud is an, an indictment of the leadership of the team, an indictment of the, of the team itself as well. And apparently that's just where this team is at and it's mediocre and it will continue to be mediocre under Mike Woodson, but Hey, it's recruiting star power, whatever, do something, do something tangible, win a big 10, win a big 10 tournament. You never won a big 10 tournament, beat a a good ranked team in the non-conference. And you can point to last year and you beat North Carolina, but what we saw North Carolina just wasn't. No, they didn't make the tournament. Wasn't very good. Okay, so you could tout that win at the time, but it ended up not being a good win. You started off the season seven and zero last year, and then you went five and six over your next game, uh, next eleven games, because you lost to Arizona, you lost to Kansas, you couldn't beat Iowa, you couldn't beat Northwestern at home. I mean, the season's just setting up. The same. That's why I say the next five games are so crucial for Indiana because it's like I'm not get, you can't get excited about what you've seen so far. Not at all. Can they go out and beat Maryland and Michigan? Can they go to Michigan and get a win? Hmm. Can they not be embarrassed against Kansas? Could they beat Auburn? Do something. The biggest issue I have will people say, well, it's going to take time. There's a lot of potential. You can't reach your potential if you're already questioning effort. Plain and simple. I, I just I, I don't understand the mindset of IU fans that are so so defensive about criticizing this team and criticizing this program uh, and criticizing Mike Woodson too. Well, God forbid you can't do that. Look at the talent he's bringing in. He's not doing anything with it. He's not doing a single thing with it. Last night he needed to have the the, the players chime in and say, "Let's go to a zone to change the the trajectory of that game." The dude has a sixty four percent winning percentage at Indiana. Those are your expectations at IU. And people will say, well, you know, he's, he's bringing in new players. What about next year? Because you're losing your guards, your starting yep. guards. You could lose Malik Renew. Probably gonna, could lose Khalil, Khalil Ware. Ware so the then NBA. what? Then it's another rebuilding year? This is the thing. This is the problem when you bring in top talent. 
is you only going to have it a couple years. This is the thing. It's like, wh- wh- when does he stop getting a pass? I don't understand these people. Uh, someone texting in CK winning at Purdue wasn't a good win. Yeah, he's three and one against Purdue, but he's won two NCAA tournament games, no Sweet Sixteens, as a, a what twenty one and nineteen record in Big Ten play, right? Yeah. Um, I give him credit. He's beating Purdue. Yeah, he's three he's, he's got Purdue. IU back to the tournament. That checked the box in year one, but year two with all the talent they had, uh, it was disappointing to see. It felt like a. A, a wasted season for Trace Jackson Davis with him coming back. Here's the thing, too. You know why it's impressive that they're 3-1 and one against Purdue? Because Purdue's a better basketball program than Indiana, mm-hmm. and it's been for a while. Just I'm, I'm, I'm not playing the games with IU fans that are trying to find silver linings with this team. It used to be a national power in basketball. It used to be relevant in basketball. It used to be a big deal, consistently ranked let alone in the top 10. It, it, it just, it's not. It's an afterthought in college basketball outside of this state. It absolutely is. Outside of the fan base, nobody cares about Indiana basketball because it's not relevant. But again, falling back on yesterday, you want to pat IU on the back for playing good defense for a half. If you want to give Mike Woodson credit for listening to his players yesterday and going zone, if you want to geek out this morning over an eight-point win over Louisville, more power to you. I hold IU basketball to a higher standard. And it should be held to a higher standard based on the resources, the tradition, the fan support. I mean, everything is there. And yet, for some reason, for 20-plus years, yes, there is the 2002 year. Yes, there is 2012 and 2013. And yes, there is 2016. Because the fan base allows it to happen. The fan base is content, okay? They're not holding Mike Woodson's feet to the fire in year three saying, you better do something this year in the postseason. Instead, they get geeked out about the players he's bringing in and wait till next year, the year after, whatever, and always talking to this five-star, whatever. He has a 64% winning percentage. He's barely above 500 in the Big Ten, okay? He's won one game in the NCAA tournament. That's your expectations for Indiana? And this year is on the same trajectory. You may sneak into the tournament. You may win a game. You're not winning the Big Ten. You'll be lucky to finish over 500 of the Big Ten with the way this team is playing. Okay? If that's your expectation for IU basketball and you have to go to bat every time somebody criticizes the Hoosiers, then it says more about you than it does us. A couple of texts rolling in. CK, it's his third year. Painter didn't do it right away. Well, Painter took over a program uh, that was in a bad spot, unfortunately, with Gene Katie. I mean, the, the final years did not go well. And Painter did turn it around. Uh, also, with Indiana, sorry, but Indiana has more national you know, brand and recognition in college basketball than Purdue, and no one's going to argue that as far as historically. Now, currently, you could say it's reversed yeah. um, because of Matt Painter and the program he's built. Uh, someone else, hurry up and get done trashing IU. I got to start vacuuming my house. Purdue fan. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, good news. That was that was the final thought. So was it? I mean, my thing is, is you can keep going. I'm going to cut you off. You, you're going to cut me <laughs> yes, off. Yes, I'm but, cutting you off. But what I'm saying, just real quick, okay. is is third year three is supposed to be that pivotal year. How how much how much how much leash does Mike Woodson? Yeah, get? That, that's true because it's more of his guys right in the program, and that's where you see development. I mean, we, we see this in college football. Year three is always the critical year for for new head coaches at a program. It's always the critical year. Because it's the talent you brought in for the most part. And yes, I get a little different basketball with 
one and dones and whatnot. But it's your talent. It's your people. It's your staff. You can't use the excuses of Archie Miller come year three, right? You move forward. Uh, Branch McCracken won a national championship in year two. Bob Knight got to a final four in year two. I know it's a different era. I'm just saying how much longer you could say, well, it's only year one. It's only and year Bob Knight two. Went it's only 32 year and oh in year three. Yeah. Well, year four, I think. Year four? Okay. No, no, uh, it would have been. No, year five. Year five. It was okay. 75. 75, 76. Because he got the job in 71, right? The math? Sure. <laughs> the math uh, is hard. But you say, how, how much long, how much are we going to say this next year? Eh, it's only year four for Mike Woodson. It's okay. Year five. Okay, whatever. You want to keep playing that game? One final text, then we promise we'll move on. CK, so what is the fan base supposed to do? Go down and start coaching? Here's the thing. Just de- demand a higher standard. Demand a higher standard, right? Stop. Don't be content with what IU is. Like, now. you can you can make note of IU getting five-star recruits, but look, McKenzie and Baco, I get it. It's still very early. There's plenty of time to develop, but we have simply not seen it yet. And that's an effort problem. Uh, Liam McNeely coming in next year, another five-star guy. Whatever. That's good. But uh, again, there's so much focus on recruiting and not enough on player development currently. Now, yes, there is player development with Jalen Hood-Shafino and Trace Jackson Davis last year. That's a good sell. And still, you could only win one game in the tournament with those two guys. And that's the problem, right? Come on. Success in March does have to be more of a factor. And I just don't think the fan base is viewing that as important as it is. It's getting guys that are top recruits and getting guys into the NBA. You used to judge Indiana basketball and what they did in March. Now IU fans like to tout what IU does in on the recruiting trail and in random non-conference games, like yesterday beating Louisville. Great job. Coming up on the other side, the NFL looking at a ban on a controversial tackling style. Is the league flirting with watering the pro- uh, watering down the product yet again? That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on a Tuesday. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny with you. Don't forget, we're giving away a four-pack of tickets. See the Comets Thursday night. Bob Chase Memorial Game, Thanksgiving night game at the Coliseum. Puck drop at 730 against the Iowa Heartlanders. And your keyword is simple this morning. For that four-pack of tickets, just text THANKSGIVING to 46862. Again, THANKSGIVING to 46862. You'll be in the running for those tickets. We'll pick a winner at the end of the show. Just make sure if you enter, you can pick those up uh, before either 5 p.m. today or between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. tomorrow before our offices close uh, for the Thanksgiving extended holiday weekend. So a, a controversial tackling technique in the NFL and... It's the hip drop tackle. Now, John Harbaugh was complaining about it, saying that's what got Mark Andrews injured, and, and also that someone did that on uh, his quarterback, Lamar Jackson. But here, here's the thing. The, 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 the definition of this hip drop tackle, uh, at least according to uh, the rugby leagues, which some have banned it, is they define it as when a defender grabs the ball carrier with one or both hands Swings or rotates his body to the side or behind the ball carrier, then drops his body weight onto the ball carrier's legs. Yeah, so you're basically twisting and then coming down with your body weight on the legs, which is not safe. Now, the NFL, obviously, they want to ban it. The NFLPA is opposed, saying that banning it would put defensive players in an impossible position. And this is basically for the defense, because people say, well, you're to do anything you possibly can to bring a defender down is or a ball carrier down is 
you're incapable of bringing him down with a normal tackle of being able to wrap, wrap and tackle. And so you're basically in a position where you need to try to bring him down any way you can. And you do this hip drop tackle. It's not safe and it's gaining in popularity. Unfortunately, you mentioned Mark Andrews being out for the season mm-hmm. and multiple college players have been out for the season because of it. And I could see a banning of it even before the season ends. Uh, probably not. But if it claims another couple high profile players, you're definitely going to see a change. I guess my ultimate question here with this, like it is with, you know, the the weak roughing the passer calls that we see every week, the targeting calls uh, where very hit or miss. Now, we, we did see Kareem Jackson in that hit. He makes those calls that, easy. He makes he? it easy, right? That was a textbook. Uh, but there is such a fine line. I feel like the NFL keeps coming closer and closer to flirting between player safety entertainment and watering down the product. And this feels like another one of those situations where they have to tread carefully because safety, yes, safety should be paramount. I understand. But also at some point that we keep seeing plays where players make tackles or make hits and it's, it's the, what were they supposed to do differently? It is a game of people flying at someone else with a ball and you're trying to, to tackle them. I mean, By any means. Yes, exactly. In the end, you're just trying to bring a player down to the ground, right? By any means necessary, which is the pure pureness of football. Yet you're seeing that that way to do it. And, and, and you're looking at it too with, with, with how as the players have gotten bigger and stronger and they become really like, and I've, I've, I've said this before, really like racehorses in the sense that you're honing your body on that edge of max effectiveness, but also really complicating things in terms of your lower body and trying to make to refine your lower body to be as strong as possible, but also maybe not as durable as it used to be. So you're very much looking, especially when guys are landing on your legs that can risk injury, significant injury, particularly with how big guys have become so in the pure this is the thing in in the pure hip drop tackle definition yes it's dangerous you just have to be sure similar to helmet to helmet and roughing the passer that it is a hip drop as opposed to something that looks like a hip drop and unfortunately it'll add to more reviews but i would much rather have more reviews and make sure that they're getting the proper call than calling it when it's otherwise not. Because we see that in helmet to helmet and targeting. It gets reviewed. Sometimes it gets overturned. Same thing with horse collars, stuff like that. Is If it's properly called, it's good for the NFL, but you have to make sure you're calling it and not calling it, depending on when it is and isn't. Now, the NFL, again, moving aggressively, uh, reportedly, to ban the hip drop tackle during league meetings of the combine next fe- February. So that, I mean, I, I'd be surprised if they're able to institute a, a mid-season ban. But yes, it, it, the fine line between player safety, between what's realistic, what you're asking of defensive players, because none of these rules are asking more out of offensive players. I guess that is where I find all of this to be so fascinating. It's it's always rules catering to offense. It's never making it a defensive game, and it's been this way for 20-plus years well, now. Nobody wants to see a 9-6 to six game. They want to see a 38-35 to 35 game. I mean, we're victims... 
oh, we're calling foul, yet I even said it to the jump. Oh, it was kind of a boring game last night. 17-7 ended up being 21-17. Why? Because there wasn't a lot of offense. So we talk about it too. Oh, we love Pac-12 games. There's a lot of scoring. We talk Big 12 games. There's a lot of scoring. Big 10, boring. There's not a lot of scoring. So the rules are going to cater to the offense because what do we like? We like scoring. We like offense. So we only have ourselves to blame in that respect. But at what point do you you change the rules so much that it's unrecognizable as a game? Because I feel like they're they're already at that point. I don't think that I don't I don't look at the. You don't think it matters? No, I don't. I'm just saying I don't think the hip drop tackle rule is that precipice that we're about to fall over. I don't see it that way. It is a dangerous move for player. If you cannot tackle a guy normally, then that's on you, as opposed to being able to illegally should be illegally. I mean, you talk about it in terms of penalties. When you go after the legs, it's a penalty in blocking, yes, clipping, yep. right? So why isn't it a penalty when you're trying to tackle if you're going at the legs? Is this something you've noticed at all at the high school level or only college? No, and not pro necessarily, level? because I do think that you see it more often at the pro. I think it has more impact at college and pro just because of the size of the players, mm-hmm. too. So I haven't noticed it as much at the high school level, but you do see it more college and pro, particularly with the with the big injuries that you see in terms of the high-profile players being taken out this way. Coming up on the other side, we'll wrap things up. Uh, We'll start with some breaking news in the NFL, plus uh, some passengers on a plane bound for the U.S. from the U.K. noticed something not long after takeoff. Something was missing, and, well, thankfully, everyone is okay. I'm going to try to guess this when we come back. Okay, that's all when we come back. Here, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kinney in the morning. Final time here on a Tuesday. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, thanks for joining us. A couple of stories. First off, breaking news in the NFL. Not a big surprise, but the Steelers have fired offensive coordinator Matt Canada. Uh, Steelers outgained in all 10 games this oh. season. That was a stat that was on the uh, lower third on the TV, which is Ouch. not ideal. Now, Matt Canada, I, I believe. How have they won as many games as they have with that? Uh, yeah, that is true. Matt Cannon, I believe, was the IU offensive coordinator. Yes, he was the IU offensive coordinator at one time. In fact, he was a grad assistant. In fact, he went to IU. He's from, uh, he went to New Pal. So he's from wow. New Palestine. I didn't know that. Uh, but he was a grad assistant at IU, coached at Butler, coached around, and then was at IU as a quarterback's coach, 2004, passing game coordinator, 2005 and six, the OC, 2007 to 2010. Bounced around uh, the college ranks, and then again it was with the Steelers since 2020 as the quarterbacks coach, and then the OC 2021 up until today. Considering the Steelers are six and four, is kind of surprising, but they are. Uh, they've won six games somehow, despite having a negative point differential. But I don't know. That's the standard that Pittsburgh sets for itself. High standards. We talked about that early in the hour, about not having high standards no longer at Indiana. Uh, meanwhile, final story of the day, and this happened uh, last month, but the, the news came out just uh, several days ago. But a U.S.-bound plane that took off from London last month okay. uh, had, you want to guess what the issue was? They were missing something, right? They yep. were with London to where? Uh, to the U.S. Okay. Uh, they were missing food. No. Much worse. A pilot. Not, not well, eh, bad, maybe not 
that bad. Maybe not that bad. Uh, they're missing uh, oxygen. Well, in a roundabout way, yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the plane took off with four damaged window panes, including Ooh. two that were completely missing, according to Wait, UK. What? Yes. Like it was open to yes. the air? Yes. Uh, no one injured. Uh, the the window malfunctions appear to have been caused by high power lights used in a film shoot. Now the aircraft departed from London's uh, Stansted Airport the morning of October fourth. Eleven crew members, nine passengers, all employees of a tour company or the aircraft's operating company. Report states uh, no name given for that company. Um, but the A three twenty one, so an Airbus A three twenty one, which is a big plane, I think that's can seat a- more than one hundred seventy people. But yeah. the small group of passengers all seated in the middle of the cabin just ahead of the overwing exits. Missing windows weren't discovered until the plane was climbing an altitude of 13,000 feet. Several passengers recalled that after takeoff, the aircraft cabin seemed noisier and colder than they were used to. Because you those think? are double pane. Yeah. Too. <laughs> uh, a crew member walked toward the back of the aircraft where he spotted a window seal flapping on the left side of the aircraft. Uh, nice. The window pane appeared to have slipped down. The cabin noise was loud enough to damage your hearing. Um, so the pilots reduced speed, stopped their descent. Uh, they looked at the window and then agreed the aircraft should turn around. So they landed back safely after 36 minutes of flight time. Um, <laughs> it, the, the plane remained pressurized normally, thankfully. There wasn't like a, a dangerous no oxygen issue, but yeah. yeah. Not oh. ideal. No, not at all. Uh, man, in the past week we've had missing windows on flights. We've had loose horses. Yeah, so the, the lights on the plane were placed there about 20 to 30 feet, shining on first on the right and the left side for over nine hours. It was to give the illusion of a sunrise. And a foam liner had melted away from at least one of the windows. And then several window panes appeared to have been warped by the thermal heat. Ugh. Sounds amazing. Yeah. I'll pass. Yeah, no thank you. All I right. want to go to Europe at some point, but I'm not keen on flying over. Yeah, water. you're not one to fly. No, I don't like flying at all. <laughs> I'll do it, but I have to have a lot of Xanax to do it. <laughs> flying over water is just not my, not not idea of fun. I mean, like it matters. You crash it either way. But anyway, <laughs> not my idea of fun. <laughs> With that, we'll wrap up uh, the show today. Dan Patrick show coming up next. The Herd with Colin Coward at noon. Indiana Sports Beat from 3 to 4. The Sports Rush returns today from 4 to 6 with Brett Rump. Uh, and then we'll have the High School Coaches Show at 6. And Purdue pregame at 7, tip at 8. Purdue, Tennessee, all tonight here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Have a great Tuesday.